Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we fielded readers' pressing questions. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Before we hopped on here, we were, I was just expressing to you, I miss you in my life, man. Where I think people have listened to the podcast enough to know at this point that we're close friends um, and we hang out a lot. And just given how the world has been shut down for the past month or so, uh, we have not been able to see each other. So how you been, man? I've been good. I mean, I've been weird, standard answer, as well as a global pandemic can allow. Um, and really the back and forth was you reached out and said, yeah, man, we should kick it soon. I completely agree. And then added, but we are all stuck at home until this damn order uh, gets off our books. But I'd love to see you. And I am tired of this, man. Love my family, but I'm ready for some new phases. Me too, man. I mean, I, you know, you you love the the significant other and, and all that, but you know, I think we all need some diversity in our lives. We need we were not meant to be just around one person twenty four seven. That's just not a human thing, you know. No, no, no. I have, my wife and I have been married for longer than ten years. Have been dating for longer than twenty. We have a five year old. I can't tell you two people I would prefer spend time with, but not this amount of time, Connor. We are all like definitely going crazy. The biggest thing I can tell you, probably the largest accomplishment so far, is that none of us have stabbed one another despite you know multiple months together. So then some success, I guess. Yeah, you got to keep in perspective, man. My 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 family, my my sister and her husband and daughter are temporarily living with my parents in Portland, in like their mid-sized house in Portland. And I'm like, good luck <laughs> with that, guys. Um, so today, so today, um, I wanted to do a mailbag pod. I put out the call last night for mailbag questions. Got a ton of good ones. Uh, even some more this morning. Got so many that I'm actually going to do a written mailbag and. Uh, podcast mailbag because there's just too many to get to um so bram the the first question is from at emilio underscore m pen isn't it too early to already think about swapping Ubre? um now this is in reference to the report yesterday from shams charania um basically saying that the pelicans have reached out and expressed interest in a potential trade for Ubre. um and the, the report didn't actually say who they offered or what what would be on the table. Um, but in other parts of the report, Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick were mentioned. So I think a lot of people are just jumping to assumptions and assuming that it was a, a trade involving at least one of those two. Um, but uh, according to Shams, the, the, the trades did not – progress they didn't the, the trade talk did, did not progress there was no real traction it was just more of just an introductory conversation about the topic um people i i reached out to yesterday kind of said as much they said that that's not really anything um but to me my big takeaway from that is that um there's still some interest around the league for Ubre, and if the warriors decide that he's not a great fit that they could probably unload him for a decent package. Um, keep in mind that he has an expiring contract. It's going to be free agent this summer. So um, the market value there out there is not going to be amazing uh, just because he, you don't know if he's going to resign with whoever he'd end up with, uh, you know, if he leaves the Warriors. So um, 
What are your thoughts, Bram? Do you think the Warriors should even be thinking about trading Uber right now? Or do you think they need to be more focused on just, you know, getting him acclimated to the system and getting him tapping into his abilities? I think it is too early. And I think it's too early for a couple of reasons. One, um, just thinking about Ubre himself. One of the things we've all been really worried about was his confidence, right? And, and it's been struggling since the get-go. We've had some positive gains, and now it seems to be dipping yet again. And you know the one way to make sure that a guy who needs confidence doesn't get it, Connor, is to have his name involved in trade rumors. Um, so just from like a personality standpoint, I didn't like that these things were floating around uh, as far as timing is concerned. Really the goal of this year is not to win a championship, right? We've got two goals that are going one figure out who they have, get some experience for this new group, specifically for Weissman. Then two really make a run at it next year with the experience that we've gained this year and then clay uh, return it. And if they want to do that, I think they need to spend some more time really evaluating the lineup with Uber, at least get to the 20 games that Kerr talked about at the beginning of the year that he thought he would need to evaluate this team. So I, I'm not saying I'm in love with Uber. I'm not saying I can envision a future, you know, over the next 10 years with him. But I do think that we need to give them a little bit more time before we are we're gauging moves out there. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'll admit, Connor, to stalking you in advance of today. I saw that you reached out for mailbag questions. Um, and I saw that like 90% of those questions not only dealt with Ubre and the timing of it, but asked you specifically about Lonzo Ball. And I'll tell you, even though I'm the guest on the podcast, I'm really interested in that answer. Um, if take away the timing, focus on Ubre exchanged out for ball and let's say heart. Uh, is that something that you think the Warriors should consider? Do you like the idea of ball on this team? I don't actually. Um, I don't I don't see what value ball really provides. I think you have enough playmakers. I think you have enough guys who can get you in your offense. He's not a great shooter. Um to me, he's kind of your true point guard type, which, you know, uh, even though Wanamaker hasn't shot well, I think he provides some of that. Um, I think that Nico Mannion deserves a little bit of run, you know, when he gets back from the G League bubble. I think um, I, 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 I've never been a fan of Lonzo Ball's game, um, and I personally don't think he's a great fit on the Warriors. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, and I'll take it, if not a step further, you know, a tangential point. And maybe my goals are a little lofty here. Um, but I haven't given up on rooting, maybe not for a dynastic team, but for a title team again. And one of the things I really miss about the old Warriors, man, was that death lineup. Knowing that as we kind of rounded the corner of the third quarter, got into the fourth, the Warriors had a lineup in pocket that they could just run anybody off the floor. And if they're trying to recreate that, and my two options are either Lonzo Ball or Kelly Oubre, there's no question between which one of the two I would want. You know, if we're looking at a death lineup that includes Steph, Clay, Draymond, Oubre, and Wiggins, I can squint and see some similarities to the athleticism and the flexibility of the death lineup. If we bring in Lonzo, he's not going to be a part of that. If, if you're looking at Steph, Clay, Lonzo, Draymond, and Wiggins, I don't think it has the same athleticism and size. So, you know, again, we've got to see Ubre, and he's going to have to show us more than what we've already seen. 
But if if both players reach their ceiling, Ball and Ubre, it's Ubre's contributions I think that would be more valuable. Yeah, I think I think Ubre definitely has a higher ceiling for sure. Um, and I actually think Ubre, when he's at his best, is a better fit in the system. Um, I think the thing with Ubre that we have to keep in mind is that. This is a one-year rental. Um, I don't think there's a world where he comes back next season. Um, it just doesn't make sense from either, either side. Uh, you know, he would he would project as like a sixth or seventh man, and I just don't think that's what he wants in his career uh, once Clay Thompson comes back. So, um, you know, if the Warriors can get some value for him, guys who could actually be a part of the puzzle come next season when they're actually going to – contend for a title or try to contend for a title then i think you have to seriously look at that um because ultimately it's all about next season you know they they could sneak into the playoffs this year they could even steal a first round series but it's really about when clay comes back and they can actually legitimately try to contend for a title so um i think that's the only way you make a move is if you can definitely get someone back who's going to help you next season because because uber is probably not gonna be around next sure um so the next, the next, question, the next question is from at Brennan underscore Bass. Let's dream. It, it looks like the Wolves pick may land statistically in the four to seven range. Cunningham is going first. Mobley is probably top three in a center or so. Um, Kaminga, Suggs, Green, or Zaire? Question mark. Suggs would be an would be an immediately awesome addition. Um, so he just named a, that last names of a bunch of guys who are projected to go like top five in the 2021 NBA draft. Um, I had a couple pieces actually this week leading up to the first game against Minnesota, looking at that top three protected from Minnesota pick for Minnesota and what it could mean for the Warriors. If they get it, um, that is a huge asset. Even though Andrew Wiggins has been really helpful this season, I still say that I think that 2021 pick from, from Minnesota was the most important asset from that trade. Uh, I talked to your, your, uh, your friend, Kristen Peake, who's been on Warriors Huddle many times. Um, and I talked to her the other day about that 2021 draft and she was just flat out gushing about it. She was saying that she thinks it's the, the best draft in 78 years. Um, she thinks that there's five or six guys in this draft who, if they were available in 2020 would have been the number one pick over Anthony Edwards um and that's in line with everything else i've heard um so let the interesting thing is going to be to track what the timberwolves do this season and if the warriors can actually get that pick this year unfortunately it looks like the timberwolves might be too bad (laughs) for the warriors to get this pick potentially uh the the timberwolves last i checked had the second worst record in the nba they're probably going to lose again tonight uh, they, they're currently without D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, they're, they're the only team in the league that's in the bottom five in both offensive and defensive rating. Uh, I, everyone knew they were going to be horrible defensively, but what surprised me is their offense has just been awful. Obviously Carl Anthony Towns has only played a few games, so that's been a huge factor. Um, but, uh, you know, the way, the way the, the numbers work uh, with, with, you know, the, the lottery, it's a little, it's a little kind of complicated. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize uh, how kind of skewed the numbers can be, but right now 
the Warriors uh, – or sorry, the Timberwolves, if the draft lottery was today, they would have a 14% chance of the number one pick, a 13.4% chance of the number two pick, a 12.7% chance at the number three pick, 11.9% chance at the number four pick, a 14.8% chance at the number five pick, a 26% chance at the number six pick, and a 7.1% chance at the number seven pick. So they wouldn't draft worse than seventh, but they actually have a significantly higher chance of drafting between the four and seven range as opposed to the top three. So the Warriors, would, would if, if things stayed as is, the Warriors would actually have a decent chance, and it would be a potentially a best-case scenario. Let's say the Warriors got the number four pick. I mean, if Timberwolves got the number four pick and that conveyed to the Warriors, um, the Warriors would get a guy for sure who is a legitimate franchise-changing talent. I mean, there's – as Kristen Peak told me, there's five or six guys in this draft who are going to come in day one and make an enormous impact – and so if you're drafting four or five, your logic suggests that you're going to be able to get one of those guys. Um, you know, guys that they could get in that range include Jonathan Kamingo, who's with G League Ignite, Jalen Green, also with G League Ignite, um, Jalen Suggs, the point guard from Gonzaga. Um, all of those guys, I've looked a little bit at their film and things like that. I did a big piece on Jalen Green at the beginning of quarantine, and they are just so – gifted in different ways Kaminga and Suggs are so gifted athletically Sug or Kaminga and Green sorry are so gifted athletically Suggs is so gifted in terms of his court vision and his feel for the game he kind of reminds me of Tyrese Halliburton in some ways only he's a better shooter um and so uh it's really exciting and you know the Warriors if they wanted to could package that pick for potentially an all-star caliber guy um, I don't think they should. I think they, if they can get that pick, that they hold on to it and and try to pair another stud young guy with with uh, James Wiseman, and then you have a really nice core going forward with James Wiseman. You know, whoever you draft in twenty twenty one, maybe uh, you know, maybe Eric Pascal if he continues to develop, and maybe a couple of these other young guys for when you know Steph and Draymond and Clay near retirement. I mean, that's, that's really the goal. And uh, I think, I think that this is a huge opportunity for the Warriors. I don't think warrior fans should underestimate how excited, how fired up we should be for this possibility. So uh, Kristen Peake, yep. Friend of the show. She is Yahoo's draft guru and expert. Uh, she's been following these guys, this class since they're in eighth grade, you mentioned it. She follows all of them. Uh, she is, she in fact just came on the podcast, our show, the Warriors Huddle, just yesterday and talked about all of this stuff. But yesterday wasn't the first time she started gushing about this draft, Connor. We, we had her on last year because the Warriors are speeding towards a shitburger record. We know Golden State's going to have a top three pick. And so we had her on a few times to talk about the 2020 draft. And every single time we did that, she'd start off by saying, well, yeah, you know, 20 draft, uh, kind of weak, but 2021, oh my God, 2021. And it was annoying because we didn't know we were going to have a pick. So to now be in a position to actually possibly have a top five pick in this, you know, quote unquote, super draft is unbelievable. And yesterday when we asked her about it, um, yep, she said exactly as you said, that as many as five people uh, from this draft would have been number one last year. And then she added to that. She said as many as 10 people from last year would have been in the top three 
of this draft. She sees as many as like six or seven franchise guys. And if the Warriors thread the needle, you know, if, if they get super lucky, Minnesota is awful, but not uber awful. And the Warriors land the four pick. What she suggested was Jonathan Kaminga for all the reasons that you just broke down. And what's awesome about that, Connor. So, you know, I, I almost don't want to talk about this. I feel like it's like identifying a no hitter in the fourth and then starting to root for it. But if somehow that happens, Warrior fans get what no other franchise does. This team is literally preparing to hopefully uh, go right back to title contention next year with their current core. But if they add another 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, and that 18, 19-year-old kid has teamed up with another Femom and Wiseman, then they are also restocking the cupboard for a whole nother title run a few years from now, which doesn't happen. You know, you don't, you don't see those two things happening in tandem. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll lose it. Maybe Minnesota will ultimately be top three. But, man, I, I'm so excited for this. Minnesota, or I've got two favorite teams in the NBA now. It's the Warriors and then whoever the hell is playing Minnesota. Although that's kind of shifting because they need some wins here. Yeah, no. And, you know, if you're a Warriors fan, you need to be following the Timberwolves season really well. You also need to be following G League Ignite season in the bubble, which is coming up here. I talked to my friend, Mara Rudolph, who's the, he's actually works for G League Ignite now. And uh, she, she said that all their games are going to be broadcast on ESPN, either ESPN2, ESPN, or ESPNU. You need to watch as many of those games as possible because I really feel like it could if, – if the Warriors get the, the number four or five pick, it could end up coming very well down to like Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, both of whom could probably be in that range. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really exciting. I, we can't, we can't, like you said, you can't understate it. Um, this is, she, Kristen Peake basically told me like, James Wiseman's great and all, but <laughs> these guys are at a different level um, at the same age. Uh, they're at a completely different level. I, I still believe that James Wiseman is going to be a really good player in this league, but um, he's not as far along as some of these other guys we're talking about. Um so it's exciting. Uh, it's huge. And honestly, if you're a Warriors fan, you need to send a gift basket to the Timberwolves front office because they have just helped you out in so many wa- ways in recent months. Um, taking D'Angelo Russell off your hands, who was the worst defender in the league last season, giving you Andrew Wiggins, who's been a really capable, helpful starting small forward for you, giving you the a top three protected pick in the most loaded draft in over half a decade, and then – also, by the way, uh, taking Anthony Edwards, uh, number one, which just made your life easier and you were able to not have to worry about it too much and you just take James Wiseman at number two. James Wiseman, to me, is looking like the better prospect. Uh, Anthony Edwards is shooting like 30% from the field right now. Um, he's showing all the same problems he showed at Georgia. He's still a freak athlete, but there's just so many issues with his game right now. Um, so, yeah, man. Props to the Timberwolves. They're like the Warriors' best friend right now. Love more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. Teams miss on drafts. The Warriors certainly have an unbelievable smorgasbord of bad draft picks. You and I, a while back, did a full podcast on that. But what teams normally don't do is pass on somebody twice who proves exactly what they did with Steph Curry. 
So let's let's go ahead and add thank you for Curry and this entire dynastic run to uh, yeah. How's, to Minnesota. how's Johnny Flynn doing these days? Pretty good. I, th- I think uh, <laughs> I think he's a phenomenal bowler. I, I have no idea if he still plays basketball. I, think, but yeah, sure I actually tried to do a story on him the, a couple years ago when we were coming up on the anniversary of Steph's draft and uh, <laughs> couldn't find him. Could not find him. Weird. If I was Johnny Flynn <laughs> and somebody who covered the Warriors gives me a call. Uh, and you know, right after Steph's dominance, and you know for certain that all he wants to do is talk about Steph you? and how you were picked before him. I'm definitely not returning that call, and I'm going into hiding. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so the next question is from at Corm Corm Macaroni. Uh, do you expect Draymond to look for ways to score himself more and more as he feels less need to coach on the court and get in better game shape, or is this pretty much as good as it's going to get? <clears throat> um, I'm Draymond. disappointed that that one didn't have an underscore. You had a kind of an underscore theme going with all the I know, uh, I know. all the listeners. But, yeah, you screwed that one up, man. That's on you. Um, it felt like when Draymond came back from the foot issue that he was almost just trying to, like, send a big F you to all of us and be, basically just be like, <laughs> yo, I don't even need to shoot. I can dominate the game without even shooting the basketball. Um, <laughs> and after a, kind of a couple – rough games when he first came back back and was getting his win back and everything he's really started to settle in and, and be a real factor on both sides of the ball um you know defensively he's done a really nice job organizing them and, and kind of getting them to play with that fire and then offensively he's done a really good job getting them into their reads and and finding Steph um and he started to over the past several games shoot a little bit uh but until last week I think he was averaging like 2.8 shots a game which is just absurd given how many minutes he plays um and but he he's knocked down several threes in the in recent games um and look the Warriors don't need him to be averaging double digit points they just they they need him to knock down the occasional three keep defenses honest uh you know he's been they're not even like trying to guard him along the perimeter I mean if he has no one within 10 feet of him that's a pretty good look, man. And keep in mind, this guy shot this guy shot thirty eight percent from the field during their seventy from three uh, during their seventy three win season. Now, I still don't know understand how that happened, but it did happen. So, uh, you know, he can shoot. He sh- by you would think he can shoot. So, I, I want to see him continue to take those shots. I I am happy if he starts to shoot more. I'm fine if he decides not to to address the non underscores question you know do i think he's going to start shooting more as he needs to give less and less advice if he does start to shoot more i don't think it'll have anything to do with the advice he is given um let me put that a different way draymond's superpower on the floor in my mind is that he always makes the right decision. He, he looks at the situation, he weighs his options, and then he ultimately does what the play is called for. Uh, here's a stupid analogy, and it'll date me. It goes all the way back to the initial Terminator movie. You know, that's the one, Arnold Schwarzenegger's the bad guy. He is a gigantic cyborg sent back from the future. And there's a scene where his face is all screwed up. He doesn't want to be seen as a cyborg, so he's fixing it. And somebody knocks on the bathroom door on the outside and and this cyborg has to figure out what to say. And he goes through a thousand different iterations in his mind. And then ultimately the computer decides on fuck you asshole. And the guy goes away. I view Draymond in each play going through all the scenarios in his mind, the way that Terminator went through responses, figures out what the best thing is and then does it. So if he starts to shoot more, it's not because the circumstances changed around him. 
it's because when he did that analysis, this instance called for a shot. If he shoots less, same thing. It, you know, it's not, has nothing to do with advice. It's he's looking, feeling, and then reacting. And, you know, 99% of the time, it's the right reaction. Um, if you haven't watched it already, I would recommend go watch this video that The Ringer did on Draymond a couple weeks ago. I, I tweeted it out a couple of days ago. Um, I thought it did a really good job of, of getting at what makes Draymond great. A lot of what Draymond's greatness is, is he doesn't do things. Like, instead of biting on that pump fake, he'll, he'll be patient. You know, instead of overhelping, he'll he'll stay back. You know, when he blew up that that three-on-one three on one. Yep. a couple weeks ago, that was just basketball brilliance. Like, that, I, I watched that on repeat after that because it was just – almost no one else in the league would do that. Like he just could see every angle. He knew exactly how to play it. And that is, that to me is the epitome of why Draymond is great. And honestly, you've seen, you know, you see some of that from a little bit. He's not as gifted as Draymond, but Kavon Looney. Uh, that's why Kavon is great too. Like that's why Kavon's starting now is because Kavon understands court awareness and spacing and angles and that little stuff. And it, it, it matters, you know, there's a reason why his plus minus is always through the roof. And there's a reason why, you know, he always helps their defense and he never gets fouls. It's because he knows verticality. He knows everything we're taught in basketball practice in middle school and high school. Like he executes it to the nth degree. And, um, and that I think I really I really have come to pre- appreciate that about both of them. Uh, as do I. Uh, I will add, and this is not any shot at Looney. It was just something that was at the top of my mind. I can't think of anyone whose game I respect more that misses more layups. It seems like every single time he ends up underneath the basket with a f- easy finger roll, it bounces eighteen times on the rim and shoots out. But beyond that, I love Loon. All right, next question. Uh, and you know, I love the G League, so I'm stoked about this one. This is from at Casarius. Uh, how will sending three of our players to the G League bubble affect our team the rest of the year? This is a good question because I was personally a little surprised when Steve told us a couple of days ago that they're sending um Nico Mannion, Alan Smilagish, and Jordan Poole to the G League bubble. Uh, which the G League bubble is over a month long, so they're gonna the Warriors are not gonna have access to those three guys for a month. Um, now Nico Mannion, he's played well the past, you know, a, a couple times in, in recent days, uh, after not really playing all season, uh, he came in and, and I think he totaled like eight assists in 16 minutes in two, two games against the Knicks and the jazz. Uh, he looked like he knew what he was doing. You know, he just looked like comfortable out there. He, he had good, good court vision, knew his spots, didn't try to try to do too much. He looked to me like a guy who could be a really solid backup point guard in this league. Um, but the reality is he just doesn't have a lot of minutes available. So it'll be good to see what he does in the bubble as kind of as a guy who's kind of leading that offense, assuming that he beats out Jeremy Lin for the starting point guard spot for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Then Alan Smiley-Geach is a guy who is really interesting because he's facing a kind of a make or break season. You know, he's, he he's not his contract is not guaranteed past this season so he uh if he doesn't show growth if he doesn't show that he deserves a a longer term investment he could not only not be on the team next season he could not be in the nba and it's actually even possible that he could be cut later this season because the warriors 
probably are going to want to use their $9.3 million DPE. Um, and there isn't really another logical guy to cut. You know, they already picked up the third year option on pool. Michael Mulder has been really helpful. Um, there isn't, there isn't really anyone else. So if you're trying to clear a roster spot, maybe you just cut Smiley Geach. Um, so he needs to show something in Orlando. He needs to show that he can, you know, he's healthy coming back from that knee injury and that he, de- he deserves a longer look. And then Jordan Poole, I was actually a little surprised to see that they're sending Jordan Poole because he's, he's been getting some minutes with, with Golden State recently. But, uh, you know, I think, I think they realize, I think Steve realizes that ultimately Michael Mulder is a better fit in that rotation and, um, they don't really need Jordan barring another injury or two. So send Jordan down there, let him get comfortable getting, seeing some shots go in and hopefully he can build off what everyone was saying was this amazing off season he had. I haven't seen it yet. So hopefully he can start to have that breakthrough. Everyone's been talking about, um, what, what did you think when you heard that they're sitting three guys? I thought that all three have let's see what we have here written all over it. One of those is positive, two are negative. Um, Let's run down the positive. With Nico Mannion, you know, where they got him in the draft, what his expectations were, if they're sending him out there right now to give him increased minutes, I assume that he's shown enough in practice where they're thinking, hey, what do we have here? Let's give him some minutes. Let's figure it out. And, you know, there's still – runway to use that information with whatever it is the other two same thing but more negative you know with pool and smilage they've already had them for a little while they got a chance to see them and it sounds like now they're saying well we thought we had this but what do we really have here and instead of creating runway to deal with the information it's perform now or get out uh so I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to see. And as a, just a random name from the past, Smilajic reminds me of this old warrior Connor named Anthony Randolph. It was this dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I was a excited huge about him. fan. I was a huge fan. I think it was from the LSU. I mean, like, I loved it. I thought he was going to be like the next Jordan. I'd tell anybody listed, you know, he's, he's uh, next level. He's got all this athleticism. Uh, and Don Nelson, who was the coach at the time, hated him. And he just never got any minutes. I think Anthony Randolph is still playing internationally somewhere. He actually it, is one of the better players in the EuroLeague. He's carved out boom. a really nice career in the EuroLeague for himself. I'd sure like to tell you that shocks me. It, it doesn't, but it was a very similar deal with Smiley because it went from, oh, I really like this guy to gone. Like, there wasn't, you know, there was no like in between, oh, he's not going to be an all star. He'll just be a role player or he'll be a bench guy or something. It was, I think he's going to be an all star. Oh, no, he's just not going to be in the NBA. Uh, so I guess similar thing with Smiley Geach. You know, hopefully he can he can pump the brakes here in the G League, but it seems like that's what he is streaking towards. Um, our next question is from at TJ Barkdale. Was Looney not ready to start beginning of the year because of injury recovery? Seems weird he wasn't starting since game one and bringing Wiseman along slow. Um, I think that this this uh, reader hits on a an interesting thing i kind of had a similar thought um when they when it felt like a lot to put on james wiseman's shoulders just throwing him out into that starting lineup day one on national tv against brooklyn when he literally had two nba practices didn't have a summer league when 13 months was it's been over 13 months since he last played an organized game it just felt like for a franchise that historically has been really cautious with their young guys it just felt out of 
character for them, you know? But I think what happened was in the couple scrimmages he had, he was just so far beyond any other other big men in terms of what he can do physically that they were just in awe. And they're like, we just got to see what this guy can do. Um, and I can understand that temptation. Um, and I don't think that their decision to start him is going to necessarily set him back in his development or anything like that. He seemed to handle the move to the bench pretty well. Uh, but I was, I just, I was a little surprised. I thought it was going to be a couple months before uh, Wiseman got a chance in that starting lineup. Um, as far as Looney, Looney didn't look awesome in the preseason, but he didn't look bad. Uh, I think he was very much still rounding into form health wise. I'm honestly not sure how much of a factor that really played in the decision to start Wiseman. I think, I honestly think it was just like, this guy's so gifted. We just, we gotta, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just go all in. And look, you know, I think some people are kind of overreacting to the fact that Wiseman was moved to the bench. I don't, Wiseman hadn't really played that poorly in his previous couple of games before he was moved. It was just, it was just that he, they needed to make some sort of change to that starting lineup because it was not working. And I think that moving Wiseman was just the easiest thing to do because he was young and, you know, he probably doesn't have the ego the way, you know, an Ubre does or a Wiggins does. So I know a lot of people had wanted to see Ubre move to the bench and maybe bring in like Damian Lee to that starting lineup. I think that that there was a huge risk factor with that. I think, I think if you do that, you're taking an enormous gamble just in terms of the locker room makeup and, and egos and all that. I think that moving Wiseman was a, was, was a much less risky move. So I understand why Steve made it. I think it was the right move. That being said, I don't, I don't necessarily see this being the starting lineup long-term. I, I think Wiseman will finish the season as the starter with this team. Yeah. The, the, the thing I was most concerned about was addressed immediately after the game uh, when Wiseman didn't start. And it was James's reaction. You know, if it looked like this impacted his confidence at all, then I would be really worried about why they initially decided to start him. I'd be really worried about why they sat him. How does this impact him going forward? But his interview suggested the exact opposite. He seemed all upside. He seemed totally fine. I think he said something along the lines that it was actually easier to develop from the bench. So if Wiseman is good with it, I'm good with it. You know, and it's, yeah, I think it's good on multiple levels. I think it takes some pressure off him, you know, uh, I think, you know, he, he's he's able to study Looney from the bench. And like we talked about earlier, Looney is always in the right place on the floor at the right time. And that's something Wiseman's really struggled with. So he can actually watch during the game where, you know, look at what Looney's doing defensively and say, you know, I need to do that when I get out there, which is helpful. You know, it's one thing to watch film, but it's another thing to actually see it in person right before you're about to go out there. And, and having the coach, I would imagine, in your ear as it's unfolding. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I like the move and I trust the Warriors for whatever the rationale behind it was. Bram, thank you so much for, for joining me on the pod, man. This was a fun one. I felt like we got a bunch of great questions and your insight and, uh, and fandom is always much appreciated. Um, where, where can our listeners find your podcast? Because odds are, you know, they're not just listening to one Warriors podcast. To continue an ongoing theme, at least for today, call me underscore Bram. Uh, if you're looking for us, the podcast itself is called The Warriors Huddle. We are on all locations where podcasts are played, Stitcher, iTunes, the whole nine yards. 
We don't have a real big social media presence. In fact, we're only on one thing, but that thing is Twitter, and we are at Warriors Huddle. And you're very um, on it. You're very on it. And I can tell you yeah. about the Twitter account because you are you have Bram written all over it. It's uh, <laughs> you got that 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 humor, that vibe. I love it. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we can be found. And the pleasure was mine, man. This one was a lot of fun. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed catching up with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 